Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Tune in to this discussion with Melanie Miller of The Profit Lovers as she explains what Australian government support packages are available for small business owners and sole traders during this COVID-19 pandemic. Please note this episode was recorded on the 14th of April 2020. The contents do not constitute legal or financial advice and not intended to be a substitute for legal or financial advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should seek legal financial or other professional advice in relation to any particular matters you or your organization may have. Well, welcome back to the show and with everything that's going on right now around the world and here in Australia, I know there's a lot of questions, a bit of confusion and really a sense of trying to understand what the Australian government support packages mean for your business. So who better than to join me today than Melanie Miller of Profit Lovers. So Mel, welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me and hopefully I can shed a little bit of light on the confusing information that everyone's being bombarded with at the moment. Absolutely. And I know that you will be able to. And just quickly, for those that haven't heard of you before, although they will need to scroll back to our previous episode where we did talk about building more profit in your business. But Mel, could you do a quick intro to yourself, please? Absolutely. So I'm Melanie Miller from The Profit Lovers and The Profit Lovers exists for the purpose of making sure that women in business are financially protected in hard times. So I feel like everything that I have been uh, trying to get or encourage women to do in their businesses, the ones who have uh, are now in a better or a safer position. And so my message feels like it's even more important than ever right now. Absolutely. And I know before we hit record, we were kind of discussing how's your business, how's my business. And and you said in terms of your uh, clients, those that have been with you for a while and implemented your different strategies, they are going to be able to ride this one out because you really focus on, on them having that profit in the bank. We do. And there's a couple of different elements to that. And I won't go too much into it because we want to cover a whole heap of information on obviously the support options available for small business owners. But It really is about them understanding their cash flow forecast, which I've talked about before on your podcast, and it sounds really confusing, but it's not. Uh, And it's that ability to scale their business right down when times are tough or something's gone wrong. And the fact that when we start working together, we worry a lot about that forward planning. You know, what does that look like? How many months could you survive if something went wrong in your business? So we put a lot of energy into making sure that businesses are cash flowing forward, not being reactive and worrying today about the bills that were due yesterday, but worrying about the bills or the expenses that are due in three months time from now. And I'll put the link to your podcast episode that we recorded a couple of, oh, what was it? In January, I think. I'll put the link to that under um, this episode. So for those that haven't listened. 
So let's get into it, Mel. We discussed that we would talk about a few of the different categories of business. I know that my listeners are mostly small business owners and sole traders. So we will discuss businesses that have employees. Also, what it looks like for business owners that are renting an office or a commercial space. Then those that have casual staff and then as well, sole traders. And we're going to really discuss this at a federal level and then just touch on a few different things for state but really it's best for people to visit their local government websites too to check out what's available. So I will hand over to you, Mel, being the expert here. And I know that you've researched this really, really well to be able to share some insights with us. So I will hand over to you. So first up, I'm not sure I'm the expert in this, (laughs) but I will do my best. So the information that we're talking about today is to sort of the best of my knowledge is at what we've got today. Unfortunately, a lot of this information is led by legislation. And when you read legislation, it is like reading a foreign language and the interpretation of the legislation. And this is where it is so difficult for small business owners because the interpretation is a little different on a few different sites. So I read the legislation myself, went through it, uh, and then tried to back up what my understanding was by looking at all the different sites that are talking about the legislation and Yeah, there's some variances. So we're going to go about this as broadly as we can. But basically, first up, it does depend on which state you're in. We've got federal funding and then we've got state-based funding, as you mentioned, and we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. We'll start with the federal and the ones that are most commonly going to be used by small business owners. And here's where I think people get confused as well. When you see the list of all of the different funding options, There's some options there that are about instant asset write-offs and things like that. And instantly, for most small business owners, they look at that and they say, I don't understand one bit of that. And so then they don't read any of the information because part of the information feels so overwhelming. So we're going to stay away from all the big overwhelming stuff that your accountant will deal with. And we're just going to stick to the stuff that's immediately going to help you. So on a federal level, that is going to be the Job Keeper program, which I have to say is an incredible program. And I've never, ever been more thankful to be an Aussie right now. And then there is also cash flow support that comes via the ATO. So the JobKeeper program is designed to keep people employed and hopefully put businesses back on track as quickly as possible when all of this ends. Initially, we only had the Job Seeker program. Uh, we now have the JobKeeper. The JobKeeper is for people who have employees or who are small business owners. Job seeker is for those who are out of work or maybe they're casuals and they haven't been with their employer for that 12-month period. The job seeker is more appropriate for that. So job keeper program is going to be a $750 a week or a $1,500 a fortnight, I should say, payment to anyone who's eligible. And the eligibility is actually quite broad, which is great news. You need to be able to demonstrate a 30% reduction in your turnover, in your revenue. So that means looking at the month of March and comparing March 2020 to the month of March 2019. Have you seen a 30% reduction in your revenue or your turnover? If the answer to that is yes, you're already past stage one of the eligibility criteria. 
So that then puts you in a good position to be able to receive that payment. Uh, they are looking for a reduction of 30% or more. And it doesn't have to be just for March. If you're fine in March, but in April, you start to feel the full effects, then you can apply for that payment in April. If it's May and you start to feel the full effects, then you can apply for that payment in May. I think a lot of um, small business owners are really quite panicked that their revenue hasn't dropped yet, but they know it's going to. And you are actually able to apply if it is foreseeable that your revenue will drop. So if you're concerned, get on there. At the moment, the applications aren't open. It's just a, um, I think it's just a page where you can get notified for updates or you can register your interest. Yes, I think I was reading that as of 30th of March, you're able to register on the ATA website. And just quickly to jump in there, as I was having a bit of a look around too, and I think um, also their criteria can be that you can compare even something like quarter one last year to quarter one this year. And the other thing is, and this is where a lot of people are reading the first couple of points and then they're, they stop reading because they think they're ineligible. If you're new to business, if you haven't been trading for a full 12 months, there is a caveat there that says that you can still actually apply. There will be some extra things you will have to do to prove that you should be eligible for this. But I've got clients who have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in a business, um, businesses that have only launched late last year. They will still be eligible because we will be able to prove that they had an increasing revenue and that that revenue has stopped completely. So even if you haven't been in business for the full 12 months, uh, make sure that you look a little further. You may still be eligible as long as you can prove that you were on you know, you were making money and now you're not. So um, that's an important factor as well. That's a really important one, isn't it? And one that I wanted to touch on too, because I think, like you said, Mel, it's easy to kind of read the first few points and then think, well, that doesn't apply to me, but really important that even if your business didn't exist last year or this time last year, and even if for some reason your revenue was quite, uh, what was it? It was something around if your revenue is still going up for some reason, I think it's like what you said, it's kind of the projected, or if you think it's going to go down, you can still potentially look. Yes. Yeah. Remembering this is really a payment that is about keeping businesses going and keeping people employed. And so there are some gray areas. It's not as black and white as a lot of people are kind of reading it to be. There are some gray areas and it is worth applying. Now, can I just um, jump in and check? Uh, this one, this job keeper is um, a payment that's not a loan. Is that correct? Correct. So the job payment is job keeper, I'm sorry, is an ATO payment. So it'll come via the Australian tax office, not via Centrelink. So Centrelink has your job seeker payment. This is job keeper. And this is not a loan. This is coming from a pool of money that is to keep businesses employing people and to basically float small businesses so that they can get back to work as quickly as possible. There's also a little bit of confusion over the $1,500 a fortnight payment is that is what it is. If you've earned less than that, or you've paid your staff less than that, they still get the $1,500 per fortnight. So it is based on uh, minimum wage, basically. And that payment, if you've been paying a casual that's been with you for a couple of years, 
$250-$300 a week, they'll get the $1,500 a fortnight. So some people actually will be uh, better off with this payment, which is quite amazing, right? It is. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Other things I need to mention is there is a difference in if you've got employees in your business who is eligible within your business. Casuals, this is a bit of a sticking point. Casuals that have not been with you for longer than 12 months as at the 1st of March 2020. So they were not, sorry, they were employed after the 1st of March 2019. If they haven't been with you for that full 12 month period, then unfortunately they are ineligible for the JobKeeper program through your business. Now, if they work casually for you and they work full time for somebody else or casually for somebody else and they've been casual for that other person for longer than 12 months, then they will get that payment from that other employer or it is up to them to ask that other employer for that payment. So if you do have casuals within your business that haven't been with you for that 12 month period, uh, then unfortunately it is going to uh, need to be the job seeker payment. And that is something they themselves will have to go and apply for through Centrelink. With the job keeper, it's the business owner or the employer's role to go to the ATO, let the ATO know what's going on. They're also going to have to apply on the employee's behalf. So there's also the confusion there is, am I still supposed to keep paying my employees? before I get the JobKeeper payment. So the JobKeeper payment will be backdated um, to the 1st of March, but it's not payable by the ATO until early May. So obviously we've got a two-month period there. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, If cash flow is tight in your business and considering that at the beginning of this, we just didn't know what was happening, a lot of people would have still been paying other overheads and not realizing that maybe it was better to keep that cash aside for staff. I mean, we just didn't know enough, right? So you are still supposed to be paying your employees. And what the suggestion seems to be, and this is where there's some gray area between the interpretation of the legislation. So I'll give you kind of two scenarios. Uh, One scenario says you can just hold out and wait until the ATO pays you and then you're back paying people. Uh, It appears though that you're supposed to be paying people And the suggestion is that you approach a bank for a loan and let them know that you're eligible for the JobKeeper payment. Now, that feels kind of far-fetched in that for the time for a bank to process the loan, but they're the kind of conflicting bits of information. Um, I would say on that point, there is no clear direction that I can find yet, but I'll keep looking. Yeah, I can can imagine that might be a bit bit difficult there just in the practicalities of lasting out um, until they receive that payment in May. So that kind of takes us to the other payment which is the boosting cash flow payment and uh, I'm just going to apologize to everyone for my clicking around. I mentioned to Emily earlier I have so many sheets and bits of information everywhere And I said, I'd rather we can hear you clicking than you try and just (laughs) remember and say something Ah, wrong. So it's it's all good. So much information. All right. So there is also a payment that I think a lot of small business owners are not going to realize that they're eligible for. Well, I haven't, I've got to say, I haven't really heard about this one nearly as much as the job keeper payment. So yes, please share. And I think the job keeper (laughs) is a little bit easier to digest 
than this one. I think when you start to hear the language used around this one, most people are tuning out. So it is about boosting cash flow for employers. Now, it will depend on how your business is set up or structured because you may be considered an employee in your own business, even if you're a sole trader. So you may still be getting this payment even if you don't have employees, as long as you're considered an employee within your own business for the tax purposes, right? The person best to answer that for you is your accountant. And it does have a couple of requirements there that you have done and you've lodged a 2019 tax return or you have been paying PAYG on your last BAS return. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that, yeah, okay, that's good. If you haven't got around to doing the tax return, but you've been paying the PAYG, okay. Correct, correct. So what the government are looking for is, are you paying PAYG? Are you paying tax on behalf of somebody as a small business owner? And if the answer to that is yes, then there is a tax free cash flow boost. It starts at $20,000 and that's broken up into two $10,000 payments. One, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Mm. And as I said, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't realizing that they're eligible for this and are going to end up with a chunk of money. So (laughs) it's going to be split into two payments depending on what your PAYG uh, requirements are. So Once again, if you've got a few staff on board and you pay quite a bit in PAYG um, withholding, then it's worth you speaking to your accountant. But if you are in that scenario, then you should should be eligible for the $20,000 minimum payment. Now, that will happen automatically. You don't need to apply for this. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. So it is when you submit your quarter BAS, which is... Um, due before the 28th of April, is it? Late okay, April? Okay, so the latest quarter. Latest quarter bath. So, Jan- so January, February, March. March, right. When you submit that, if you've got PAYG um, on that, then you will be eligible automatically and the ATO will do one of two things. If you owe the ATO money, they will apply that as a credit. As far as I can see, there's been a little okay. bit of... A little bit of conflict over whether everybody gets the refund or whether it gets applied as a credit. Uh, The way that I interpret it is that it's going to be applied as a credit. If you don't owe anything, you've been keeping up with your tax, then that will become a refund because it will be applied as a credit to you. So it will be refunded to you. So that is quite a substantial chunk of money there as well. Now, that is for my clients who are eligible for that. I am saying to them, that money is the money that you need to use to pay your staff while the JobKeeper program kicks in. Yes. Okay. And I kind of think that's how they're designed, but I might be very wrong there. That makes sense though, doesn't it? It does. So for instance, if there's tax that you need to pay once you've done that quarterly PAYG uh, and you and you end up owing the government money, did you say that that amount will be basically you, you don't have to pay that? Is that kind of how you're interpreting Correct. It? I'm interpreting okay. as yes. the initial $10,000 payment will, depending on obviously everybody's situation is going to be different, but it's a minimum of 10000 will wow. be attributed to that first. Okay. Now, um, I could be wrong there. That's how I'm interpreting yes. it. No, so this is, good. once again, like the job keeper, the 
information around it, depending on what who you read the information from. Yes. And I'm talking government departments. <laughs> uh, there seem to be some differences. A little bit of grey area. Okay. Yes. Now, the timing of this, the reason that I say potentially you could use that money to pay staff, um, now the timing of this is going to be interesting because I think what you're going to need to do with that money is back pay staff and forward pay staff, if that makes sense, because you're going to get a chunk of money mm-hmm. and then you'll get the job keeper and you're going to have to figure out how to make sure everybody gets paid from that yes. pool of money, if that makes sense. Okay. So okay. once again, this, um, this is to help businesses stay in business and help them keep employees on. Mm -hmm. help them keep employees within their business. Ultimately, the more people that retain employment, the less people we have unemployed that will factor into the unemployed, which is what the government are trying to avoid, right? Is unemployment is where we see problems with our economy. So that is going to be a really interesting one. And if you haven't had a look at that one yet, have a read of it it's not the most easy thing to read but have a read of it because you might be surprised to find that you're eligible for this yes could you just say the name once more Mel for people to google so what we might why don't we just link why don't I give you direct links because Sounds I'm, foul. yeah it's um depending on which site you read it on okay <laughs> uh, I believe it's either referred to as the SME cash flow boost okay uh, and sometimes it's just referred to as a boosting cash flow for employers okay so it kind of depends on how you read it yeah also to touch on those who are sole traders as well and I actually asked my members as well because I was like we've got Mel coming on the podcast let me know if you've got any questions and um and one of them asked uh can you please find out if sole traders who don't employ anyone and who don't pay themselves a wage are they still entitled to the job keeper allowance yes now with sole traders if you're just trading and and basically you just take profit like if there's money left over after you've paid your expenses you're paying yourself profit that is uh considered your wage Mm -hmm. so for sole um, traders whatever's left over is your income your wage and yes you are eligible for the job keeper program yes which is really really good news amazing really really positive uh when they first announced some of the different funding available, small business owners were terribly left behind. Mm -hmm. And the JobKeeper program has just expanded and expanded um, to include all of um, those people. I trade in a little bit of an unusual way. I trade as a trust. So if you trade as a trust like I do, you can nominate one person or one beneficiary of the trust. Obviously, I'll nominate myself um, to, (laughs) not that I need to, but If you are in that position that you need to, then you can nominate one beneficiary of the trust to receive the payment. If you're in a partnership, I think it's one partner. Initially, it was only one partner, which I thought was a little unusual, but there you go. And then if you're a company director and you take drawings or director's fees from your business, you don't pay yourself a wage, you still should be eligible for the JobKeeper program. You would just have to nominate once again. I'm fairly sure it's just one of the company directors. So um, if you've got 10 company directors, that might be a bit of an issue. But most people don't 
they just have one or two company directors. So JobKeeper now covers sole traders with no employees. It covers people with employees. It covers companies, trusts and partnerships, which is kind of runs the full gamut for what we have yes. available in Australia. Pretty extensive. Correct. Yeah. So most people who are in business and who have had a drop in their revenue and have been in business for longer than 12 months will be eligible. And if you haven't been in business for longer than 12 months, you still will be eligible. You'll just have to jump through an extra few hoops to get that payment. Perfect, perfect. And then one area that we haven't touched on is as well those business owners that are hiring commercial spaces. And I think this has been an area perhaps of some confusion. Could you shed a little bit of light on this one? So once again, this is so great. There is all of these suggestions around what people should do. There doesn't appear to be a black and white. This is what everybody has to agree to. I apologize if you can hear Yes, screaming child. Yes, uh, my neighbours. I'm not sure where they take her into the backyard when she's unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the other neighbours' enjoyment. Yeah, maybe maybe to give mum a break. Poor mum is trying (laughs) to work from home with a little one. Like it's so hard, right? So if you pay rent on a commercial premises, then this is a weird connection here too in that Mm-hmm. There is a connection between being able to negotiate with your landlord and also being a recipient of the JobKeeper program. It's almost like if you're in receipt of the JobKeeper program, then you have proven your you have had a 30% or more drop in revenue. Therefore, your landlord is obliged to negotiate with you. Okay. So those two things are strangely connected. So I'm saying to a couple of my clients, we're being quite careful here in that I've got a couple of clients who their businesses are going to take a massive hit, but they've cash flowed forward. You know, we've been very smart in preparing them, but we still need to access that JobKeeper payment because it then gives them the ability to negotiate with their landlord. Right. So bear that in mind with this JobKeeper payment. If you're someone like me who's like, I don't actually need to access any of those um, payments regardless of whether my revenue drops or not, there is that link there. Now, it is the suggestion of the government, and this is a suggestion, there's no black and white around this, it's a suggestion of the government that the loss of um, of income should be split equally between the landlord and the tenant in that it shouldn't just be on the tenant to lose out in this relationship and the landlord still to be able to collect full rent. They should both come to an agreement where unfortunately both are going to lose out. And that kind of sits at that 50-50, right? That 50% of the burden should be on the landlord and 50% should be on the tenant. Now, there really isn't a black and white, as I said, around that. So that's, um, that's a difficult one, but you're going to want to negotiate. Okay, so that's kind of the suggestion, is it? And then if it's 50-50, that's looking at the tenant would be looking to pay 50% of their rental obligations. And then therefore the landlord would be receiving 50% of their typical Correct. So then, you know, everybody kind of has 50% of the burden, if that makes sense. Yes, okay. And so in those negotiations, there are some things that you could – do to help it look like a more favorable deal essentially Uh, what you can do is you can offer the landlord to extend your lease so I've got a few clients at the moment where that's the approach we'll take is 
that they're not going to be able to pay full rent it's unlikely they'll pay full rent within the next six months so then we are asking for permission to put a full six months extension on the lease so the landlord has the extra six months of guaranteed income um, yes. you know at the end of the lease because right now you're also landlords are in a position where sure they can shut the doors and well, actually they can't right now they can shut they can potentially you know six months shut the doors but the number of people who are going to be willing to go into that space to lock in, in a new lease. environment yes yeah. Yeah. so there are lockout laws where you cannot be locking a tenant out for non-payment mm-hmm. um, I believe they're six months I would say to people be very careful because I'm not sure what is going to happen after that six months. So if you stop paying rent and your landlord has no ability to kick you out for six months, I would hate to see them turn up on six months and one day and put a massive big lock on your front door. Yeah. So yeah. just be wary of that. But you can um, make that offer to extend the lease or to increase your rent over the term of the lease. So if you've still got two or three years left and you can't pay rent for the next three or four months, taking that amount and then absorbing that over the remainder of the lease, you're going to need to get creative here. And I've been saying to my clients to make sure they don't offer anything that they don't feel they can meet. Think about what you think you can do and make the offer based on that. Don't overpromise, but go in with what you think you can do and make an offer, make a very, this is what we're prepared to do. And then let your uh, landlord come back to you with any variations of that. I think going to a landlord and saying, what could you do for us is not going to get you very far. Come up with a plan and put it in front of them so that you've got a starting point. Uh, What you don't want is for um, this to go on month by month. And at the end of the six months, the landlord says, well, you didn't give me any suggestions. And so I just considered it was full rent for the last six months and now I want my full rent. Yeah. And like you said, for the landlords to, I guess, kick anyone out, I would say, you know, for them, obviously, it's like, well, if they were to to do that after the six months or so, what are their chances anyway of actually finding someone else? So hopefully that doesn't happen. It does say that they can't. There's a hold or freeze. There's also some different freezes on uh, the ability for somebody to put you into bankruptcy. And so those numbers have changed. Uh, We won't, obviously that's a whole other area, but (laughs) if you've got a landlord and you haven't been paying rent, there's some limits to what they can do to you. And if you're nervous, then that's an area where you want to go and read up on that um, instead of, I've had a few people who've been very nervous and I'm like, go and read up on it. I don't want to see what it says. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you are listening and you're a landlord, then there's, yeah, there's, looks like there's some support and and things for you and if you are a landlord we don't want this all to be you know of benefit to a sole trader of course or a company or a business renting from you if you are a landlord then the place for you to go is to your bank and speak to your bank about putting a hold on your payments Mm -hmm. Uh, if you've got a mortgage on that property ask your bank to freeze that mortgage for the next six months you know then it kind of gets Shared amongst everybody. Takes the pressure off. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. So is there anything that we've missed? Well, I know that we could keep talking forever about all the different things, but just in terms of, you know, the assistance for those small businesses, sole traders, would there be anything else to touch on? So the other things to look at are what is available from your state or territory. 
So we have in ACT, there's a COVID-19 survival package. In New South Wales, there is a payroll tax relief for New South Wales businesses. There is another small business grant, I think, there. Northern Territory, it's called Business Recovery. So every single state has different things that are available. In Queensland, I've just been researching this for a client. We have a loan that is available that has low interest, an initial 12-month interest-free period. And once again, it's there for businesses to be able to retain staff and keep their cash flow going. So if you're in a position where you require a capital injection, where you really need a big amount of money to come into your business, then it is worth going and having a look at what your state is going to provide for you because some of them are offering quite good loans. They will come out of sort of a pool of money and that pool won't be endless, though, I would imagine. So those sort of loans are probably only available until the pool runs out. Okay. There is also a federal loan that you can access. I think it is a three-year uh, one is 10, one is three. They're all different. Why could they not just do the same thing for everybody? I think it's a three-year loan and uh, it's. I think it's a, a 50% backed by the government. So they're not taking, uh, you don't need to secure those loans. So that's an unsecured loan, mm-hmm. which is huge, right? Because that means you don't need to use your family home yes. to secure up that loan. The thing with getting these loans is the normal lending criteria Uh, It's a little bit looser, but not so much so that you're not still going to have to prove uh, that you're going to be able to pay this loan back. And I think that's where a lot of people are going to get a little bit stuck is how do I even predict what this is going to look like going forward? If you do need to apply for any of those loans, make sure you've got your financials up to date and make sure that you've got your cash flow projections up to date because you will need those to apply for any of those loans what are the names of them or where can people find They details? are. Let me just click around for a second. <laughs> I will give you a whole resource list. But yeah, the, awesome. All right. So, we, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about what it, what the other one is called. Oh, there's another one I need to mention to you as well. <laughs> the other one is called Cashflow Booster for Employers. Okay. That seems great. to be the actual name. That is the cash flow that comes from the ATO and uh, will happen when you do your BAS return. Perfect. <laughs> that is Good. the one that I was saying. Everybody needs to go and see if they're yes. eligible for that one. There is then what is called the Coronavirus SME Guarantee Scheme. Okay. And that is the federal one. It is three years with a six-month repayment holiday. It is unsecured. It's a drawdown facility, so there's no interest charged if you haven't mm-hmm. drawn down on the loan. And the government is going to guarantee 50% of that loan to the bank, which is why you don't need to use your assets to secure it. Okay, perfect. Now, the one last one that I haven't mentioned that uh, is federally available is your ability to access your superannuation. Mm -hmm. Now, this one you want to do with a whole lot of thought. I would not suggest anybody goes dipping into their super without really figuring out what this money that you take out now, Mm -hmm. what that's going to look like, you know, in in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Um, So if you do have superannuation, I know a lot of small businesses don't, 
which is um, something we definitely need to, when this is over, we definitely mm. need to make sure everyone's super is boosted. But you can go in and access $10,000 of your superannuation in the 2020 financial year. So that's this financial year up until June 30, and then another 10K in the 2021 financial year. So from July 1st onwards. If you've had a reduction in income, once again, you're going to have to show that you've had a reduction in income, but the reduction is only 20% to qualify for this one. Uh, and applications, I believe, are open from the 20th of April. My understanding is that you apply to the ATO for this one. Okay. So this one is a maximum, obviously $20,000. And if you're in a position where you cannot get any kind of loans because you're not eligible, mm. uh, you can't prove that you can pay it back or you haven't been in business long enough, those loans are going to require, I imagine, two years of financials. So if you haven't been in business that long and maybe you're not eligible for any other payments and you've still got bills to pay, then that superannuation is there. But maybe as a only last use that as a last resort and as a backup. Mm. Yeah. yeah. For my clients, um, we do have some that just aren't going to be eligible because of the amount of time they've been in business. And unfortunately, that kind of is a last resort that we'll have to consider, but yeah. do that carefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's going to have implications uh, in years to come, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of the full gamut. So if um, you're a small business owner and you're like, okay, that was so much information, Melanie, what the heck do I do next? <laughs> what you need to do next is go and register for the JobKeeper update. So just go to the ATO website. It's ATO forward slash JobKeeper, I think. Perfect. But we'll, we can link that below. Yes. Um, I'm telling you what you can link in your show notes. Yeah, we can link totally. That below. Um, but go and register for that, whether or not you feel like you're eligible, go and register for it. So at least you know you've done that. There's nothing you can do right now for that anyway, as at the 14th of April, you're going to have to wait until the applications are open. If you use Xero, it's um, going to integrate. Xero will integrate with the ATO using the single touch payroll. So if you haven't set single touch payroll up or you've got a bookkeeper who's not done that for you, it's worth investigating that. You don't have to have that but it will just make the process a little bit more streamlined. Go and have a look at the JobKeeper and register for it. Then I would look at the cash flow boost. That is the federal yes. one. Once again, we'll link for that one. But have a look at that cash flow boost and see whether or not you think you're going to be eligible for that. Chat to your accountant. They'll be able to help you understand whether or not you've been paying PAYG, if that's a bit confusing, yes. or if you've met the requirements. A lot of businesses, a lot of solo people, a lot of sole proprietors, very micro businesses are going to be eligible for this and don't yes. realize they are. So that's pretty exciting. So good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the next thing I would do is then go and look at the state level. So do those two things first, get your head around the job, yes. either get your head around the cash flow boost, then go and have a look and see what's eligible for you on a state level. And as a last resort, that early access to your superannuation is available. It's an option. Yeah, yeah it is an option. Yeah. And that's it, I think. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. <laughs> You're, <laughs> You're amazing. Um, if I can give everyone just a final suggestion, yes. please be careful about pivoting your business too much. Mm -hmm. until you know where you stand financially. I think that right now is not the time to be taking too many swerves because you may do some damage down the line when you've diluted your target market, 
when you've dropped prices, all of those things that people do out of panic that I see them doing in Facebook groups. Just take a moment first before you do anything else, just to have a look where you're at financially, what you're entitled to, and then make your decisions on what you need to do from that point going forward. Oh, it's such good advice. And and like you said, I think it's about not being overly reactive and taking uh, taking action or making decisions out of fear. Nothing good comes from a place of fear or panic. Uh, I had a client this morning and she said, I just want to run this idea by you. And she gave me the first 15 seconds and I just said, no, it's completely unnecessary. Everything you're doing is based on panic you don't need to be doing this. You can survive the next 12 months without doing anything in your business. You need to stop right now because what you're doing (laughs) is really diluting your market and you are, you know, really going to cause yourself some issues down the track. So get an idea of where you're at financially. When you have that, everything else will become a little bit easier to know what the next logical step should be. That's it. And I think, and looking at your numbers, knowing your data, all that type of thing and taking action based off them rather than based off our emotions is always uh, the most smart approach. It is. And I find with people making panicked decisions, often people make those panicked decisions because there is a lot of confusion or they're just too scared to look at where they actually are financially. And so that lack of clarity, you know, it's easier just to go, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything instead of doing the one thing that could give me the clarity I need to make sure that I'm making the right step. Instead, I'm just going to ignore that and go in a completely panicked direction and just do all the things. Um, Don't do all the things. Figure out where you're at. And actually, I've brought up the episode number. So a really good next point would be um, to go and listen to episode 25 of this show um, where we had the lovely Melanie on and it's called Grow Your Profits with Melanie Miller. So there's going to be a lot of really, really good takeaways in that one too. So Mel, just quickly, where can everyone find you? At theprofitlovers.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for your time. I know the listeners are really, really going to appreciate it. And um, so do I. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for having me back again. I hope it was helpful. We'll do it again soon. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.